This is Killstreak. Zeeks, it's Killstreak episode 153. I'm Eric Goslin. Joining me here, as always, Mr. Mike Price. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing okay. It's uh, it's gonna be a busy week. Busy uh, week. This the recording this with you is almost like it's a, like a little refuge from the Aww, you know? an oasis in the desert. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. it. Uh, today we're talking about World War Z. We're doing this as a, a one-off movie. It's not a franchise, so don't be confused. Mm-hmm. Um, but next week we're doing Scream 6, so we just wanted a little bit of a... Not a filler episode. That has negative connotations, but <laughs> something to fill the space in uh, a movie that fits thematically with the th- six movies we'd already done previously. So or mm-hmm. Eight movies. Eight movies. So, uh, yeah, here we are. Not a filler, just something to fill the space. Yeah, not a filler, <laughs> just technically filler. <laughs> but I do like, I mean, I do want to do more of these in the future, just these one-offs, because, yeah. A, it's fun. We can talk about movies we wouldn't normally have talked about. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I guess those are the only two reasons. <laughs> I mean, especially uh, after, like, long series, um, it's just nice to have a little bit of a... A refresh, like a break, a palate cleanser. Palate cleanser, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. With <laughs> considering that, you know, maybe we should have picked something that wasn't a zombie movie. But hey, yeah, that? maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still fine with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I I'm going to pitch that we dive right in because, as I mentioned to you, I have a lot to say about this movie let's dive in Uh, so world war z uh was released as a novel novel in air quotes almost in 2006 um it's written by max brooks Mm -hmm. son of mel brooks and Anne bancroft um and it is baby yes um it is essentially a it's a series of interviews is the structure of it, but it's kind of, it functions sort of like an epistolary novel. Yeah. Um, in that it just bounces from character to character, uh, recounting their experiences during the zombie apocalypse, which has been quelled more or less, uh, at the time the book's being written. Okay. Um, have you read it, Eric? No, it, I'd always wanted to, I don't know whatever really stopped me. Okay. Um, I did read a little bit of his previous book, not a novel. The like s- how to survive a zombie. Apo- I don't remember what it was called exactly. Uh, yeah, it's like hand. It's some sort of survival guide. Or yeah, whatever, right. Yeah, and that's more of like a faux, almost like a faux uh, 
reference book. Yes. Kind of. yeah. yeah. Which is fun. Do you remember um, what's the the worst case scenario handbook? Did you have those? I remember seeing them. I never had one though. They were great. I lo- I loved those because they were very earnest, and the humor was just in the selection of sure. Things. Yeah, because it was always real advice, but it was like, what to do if you get trapped in quicksand? Like, right. what to do if you get attacked by a bobcat or a bear? <laughs> it's right. like things that you would probably never ever encounter yeah. in your life, but like seriously mm-hmm. considered. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Brooks' first book kind of uh, reminds me of that a little bit. Um, yeah, the zombie survival guide is what it was called. Yeah. Did you read World War Z? I've read about half of it. I started reading it a couple months ago. Uh, and it's a great going to bed read because it's like the chapters at most take like five minutes to get through one person's interview. Uh-huh. Um, so it's easily digestible in small chunks. Um, so far, so good. But if there's an overarching sort of story to be told, I haven't really gotten it yet okay. it's more just like kind of interesting tidbits okay anyways this movie was a hot commodity and uh there was a bidding war for the the option just in the year after its release um and amusingly the two companies that went head to head driving up the price uh for the rights to fa- make this movie were Plan B, which is Brad Pitt's production company, mm-hmm. uh, and Appian Way. Do you know whose production company that is? No. Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, and I was like, it was funny because I read that and I was like, well, they've definitely been in a movie together. What was it? And it took me forever to realize, you know. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. very recent. So, <laughs> uh, if there was any tension, they, I think they've buried the hatchet. But. Uh, yeah. I, I suspect there wasn't. I, I suspect I, a, it, they probably were not even aware <laughs> well, during during those early stages. Uh, I my understanding is that Brad Pitt is fairly hands on with Plan B. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, um, he just produced um, Women Talking, which is a movie yeah. I just saw. He I, that was a Plan B. You want to hear something fun? So Plan B Entertainment Films. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine, ten that have been nominated for Best Picture. Holy shit. And uh, of those, three of them have won, um, wow. which is one of the better records of any production company in Hollywood. Can I guess um, the winners? Yes. 12 Years a Slave. Yeah, that's one. Uh, do you do Moonlight? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And then um, Women Talking This Year. Uh it was very this was early it was the third movie plan b ever produced early oh not he's not in it i can tell you that as a hand it wasn't the aforementioned a few days ago crash was it no that's it's the, not crash <laughs> no Listen, i'll probably not pitt, get this one pitt has better taste yeah than that, I, mean, so okay. I figured but he does do a lot of social issue movies yeah uh it's actually the departed oh yeah wow so he produced fun, The Departed? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, if you look through the list, it's like a lot of his own movies, uh, obviously. Um, which, because if you're a big time, you know, A-list actor, what better way to do it than have your production company buy the movies you want to do and then you star in them? Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, uh, just real fast. Yeah, The Departed, um, obviously Assassination of Jesse James, oh, Tree yeah. of Life, wow. Moneyball, uh, 12 Years a Slave, Selma, The Big Short, Moonlight, Lost City of Z, which I thought was great. I didn't see that um, one though. You should check it out. It's it's very it's very good. Um, if Beale Street could talk. Holy shit. Last Black Man in San Francisco, Ad Astra, uh, Minari. Uh, wow. And she said and women talking this year. So. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's got a good track record. He does. I mean, I don't want to like, you know, kind of blow too much smoke because also, you know, he has been accused of being abusive uh-huh. uh, by his uh, ex-wife. Yeah. Um, Which, you know. We we have to acknowledge. Yeah, I was wondering. I mean, of course that's going to come up because we are who we are. Yeah, <laughs> but that is something that like it's disappointing. I think I don't know. I'm not going to make. I have no idea. I wasn't there. He was mm-hmm. an alcoholic for quite a while. So yes, I'm not making. I'm not saying that's an excuse. I'm just saying there's a possibility for growth. Yeah, he uh, at least according to you know all. You know what? What's out there? He's been sober since 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know he also has face blindness? Is that so? Wow, that's what he says, yeah. Huh. Um, I mean, that's also the ultimate hot guy thing to be an airhead. <laughs> like, just like, oh yeah, <laughs> so face blindness. Why I don't remember you? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I won't get into it too much with the uh, with the domestic abuse stuff, uh, other than to say that. Um, there hasn't been any, uh, court proceedings other right, than just right. things that were mentioned in, uh, divorce proceedings. I, and, oh, sorry. I don't mean to yeah, no, go ahead. What are you going to say? I just heard a thing and I don't know if it's true. I didn't fact check it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Angelina Jolie hired somebody to kill her because she didn't want to do it herself. And that person talked her out of it. What the fuck? Yeah, I gotta look that up. That is a wild That's thing wild. for me to just say on the yeah. podcast. Yeah. Um, but here, just this is just from from Pitt's Wikipedia. Uh there was an anonymous person accused him of being verbally abusive and physical towards one of his children. He was investigated by the FBI and the LA Department of Children and Family Services. In the final report, they he was cleared of any wrongdoing. Um so, but there was a, a years long custody battle with him mm-hmm. and, and Jolie. Um, and the only thing I'll say, this is maybe one of the more controversial statements I'll ever make on this podcast. <laughs> I should just stay out of it. But um, when it comes to married couples, I always am a little bit more circumspect about the whole thing um, because those relationships can be very volatile. And I'm not saying this is like an excuse for physical abuse so much yeah. as it's just like, unless someone wants to really take it to, uh, you know, if you're, if, if you're pursuing some sort of legal action or um, civil action, but when it comes to people talking about what happens in other people's relationships, I'm always kind of like, ah, Nah, whatever I, I, you 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 keep that over there you know? i know what you mean because marriage you're married for you know potentially for a long time yeah through all different points in your life in your your spouse sees you at your absolute worst and best and it's just yeah. like yeah it 
it's and it's it's always like this he said he said she said thing or he said he said right. she's, you know blah 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 um but yeah i mean i always tend to favor the point of view of the the woman in this situation but just yeah. nothing else has come of it that it's, yeah. it it leaves you with a big question mark where you're like yeah. well yeah this one was kind of like a blip and then haven't heard much about right. it since um, so, this hitman thing apparently was when she was 19 and it was reported oh, by wow. a few different outlets. So, okay. There you go. The reason I dove into all of that was because I didn't want to be perceived as being just totally in the bag for Pitt. Yeah. Because what I wanted to call out is that if you look at the track record of Plan B, he is someone who seems to sort of walk the walk in terms of uh, being an ally and representation, like he kind of goes out of his way to produce movies uh, from people of color Mm -hmm. uh, for about women uh, directed by women, basically everybody, but white men, Um, which if you're a white man, that's oftentimes that's the best you can do. Um, Yeah. It's just kind of support and give voice and money uh, to people who aren't. Yeah, the the whole abuse allegations thing is a real bummer because previous to that, and I still think I believe this, and mm-hmm. I'm willing to. How do I phrase? It's like it's so tough. It's so tough to phrase. If it's this, very touchy, if it is yeah. true, then uh-huh. I will take this back. I think he yeah. might be our greatest uh, movie star. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because he's a very yeah. good actor, and he's also yeah. a movie star. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know the uh, okay. So moving on from Brad Pitt's personal life and his production company, you know the uh, the thing that they that goes around that people always say about Brad Pitt as an actor. Not sure. That's like um, he's a character actor trapped in a leading oh, man's body. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which I, by and large, agree with. Yeah. I think he's so good looking. That everyone looks at him and says, "Well, this is the star of a mo- of of huge movies." Yeah. But he actually is an incredibly sort of quirky, idiosyncratic yeah. performer, um, and he he's almost always better in roles where at least he's not cast as a hero, which is interesting. Totally. We'll probably talk about that in our next segment. Yeah, I agree with I agree with everything you just said. All right. Thanks. That's good. That's good to hear. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, the funny thing is I was like, this is going to be a long segment. That wasn't even a planned part of the segment. Oh, that no. was not something I intended <laughs> to talk about. I'll try to keep it moving. I swear. Um, so the production, the pre-production of this film is such a long, drawn-out process. So it was purchased in 2007. Oh, wow. Okay? Yeah. Which is six years prior to when it was released. Um, the first draft of the screenplay, so the initial story credit, is from a guy named J. Michael Straczynski, who's done a ton of TV writing. His main claim to fame is he's one of the creators of Babylon 5. Um, okay. Which is a show I've never watched, but a bunch of people like. Yeah, I've never um, watched it either. And... Aside from that, and and a lot of like script doctory type work and that sort of thing, he wrote uh, Changeling, the Angelina Jolie movie. Speak of the devil. Oh. Um, 
but he was he's actually been a, a quite a successful comics writer. Um oh. starting kind of right before the comic book movie boom. He started writing for Marvel in 2001. Um and had an exclusive contract. He wrote Amazing Spider-Man for like 6 years. Um and then moved on to a couple other things, the Doctor Strange, Fantastic Four, Thor. Uh, and then, when his contract ended, he jumped over to DC. Huh. And he wrote a, a Superman graphic novel, uh, some Wonder Woman stuff, some more Superman stuff, and even a Watchmen spinoff uh, oh. series. Yeah, so, I remember when that came out. That was kind of yeah. controversial. Yeah. Speaking of Watchmen... We get more writers, right? Uh, as production goes on, so I won't go with the. Wait, beat was by that beat. a pun? No. Oh, because you're like it's... speaking of Watchmen, we have more writers. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't a pun, but it's sort of a tortured segue because I had to like I have to give context. I can't just be I can't just jump straight ahead to saying Damon Lindelof at one point comes huh. in to the process of this script, but it's later, right? Um, so I'll get there in a second. So Mark Forster, the director of this film, joined very early. He was signed on, I think, in 07. Um, and when they were talking about it, they wanted this movie, they, their inspirations, probably not unlike Captain America and the Winter Soldier, they name-check uh, Alan... Jay Pecula's conspiracy trilogy, specifically all the president's men. Um, also the born series was something that they were looking to sort of emulate the tone of, uh, um, that which sense. yeah. Um, is all kind of interesting as an approach to a zombie movie, I would say. Um, do you Brooks? Sorry, go ahead. I don't, I know. I don't mean to drag us down. No, no. looking at Mark Forster's filmography, uh-huh. The word that comes to mind is mid. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair. Um yeah, he is I would say that the best the only really good movie on here is probably well, this movie notwithstanding because we haven't leveled our judgment yet. But yeah. Monsters Ball is a pretty solid movie that I have not watched in 20 years. Yeah, same. I was I was going to say the same thing. I saw it when it came yeah. out, and that was the last time I saw it. I was just thinking about Monsters Ball the other day. So <laughs> I was, dude, I was just diddling around on the internet, doing mm. nothing in particular, and, and uh, what landed in front of me was a list of, like, greatest celebrity nude scenes of all time. <laughs> and the one of the ones on there was Swordfish. Yeah, Swordfish. Because yeah. it was so famous because I think they paid they like they explicitly paid Halle Berry an extra million dollars to do a like a four second topless scene. Yeah. And the thing that is so fucking hilarious about that to me is that the Swordfish people paid her a million bucks and then like Six months later, once the cat was out of the bag, she did this incredibly graphic sex scene yep. for Monsters Ball. In Monsters Ball, yeah. Um, which I think is a funny. I I, I laugh with Schadenfreude thinking of uh, the Swordfish people it's featuring also Billy Bob Thornton, ex mm -hmm. of Angelina Jolie. Also. Yeah, they used to wear each other's blood in yep. uh, in a vial. <laughs> in vials, they wore his necklaces. <laughs> I once heard that he only. If at least for a certain period, only ate orange food. 
That guy is a fucking weirdo. He's a weirdo. Yeah. Like, fuck, just full stop. Would you say um, that to John Lennon? <laughs> <laughs> Would you say that to Tom Petty? Is that what he said? Yeah. Maybe it's Tom Petty. If you guys have never listened to the recording of him, uh, like, freaking out on a Canadian radio host, you yeah. should. It's, Although there's apparently, a video of it. Yeah. That guy, who is on the other side of that conversation, has been canceled for a series of sexual discrim like sexual uh <laughs> like workplace oh no harassment yeah um so huh. you know well, so nope. i guess maybe billy bob is the hero in that in no, that exchange billy bob's not the hero of anything <laughs> um so the script uh brooks not involved uh but you know in an interview around that time he said he liked brad pitt as as a as a role in the movie and uh was pro Straczynski he read a draft he said he liked it they found a way to tie it all together so the thing you gotta understand about this book is there is no protagonist right um and so far I would say I'm like halfway through there isn't a story there's just like 40 little stories so the idea of adapting it into a film is is sort of um intimidating I would say so a script leaked the next year, uh, a script that ended up on the blacklist, in fact, oh. um, that people loved. Apparently, people were like, this thing is incredible. And this is like, if like if they do this right, this is going to be like a really seriously good movie. Oh. Um, so uh, comparisons thrown around to Children of Men, uh, I Holy believe. Holy shit. Yeah. So, movie was supposed to go into production in 2009, but then development... What? I'm sorry. <laughs> Off air, I make a lot of noise with my mic, uh-huh. and Mike's like, that doesn't show up in the recording, does it? I'm like, no, I don't touch my mic. And twice during this recording, I've <laughs> accidentally punched my mic. <laughs> oh. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, I want to apologize to everybody. There was some weird audio last week that was coming from my end. I think it was a physical thing with my microphone stand. Hopefully it's been resolved. Fingers crossed. Yeah, I don't hear um, anything, but we'll see in the recording. That's good. But you didn't hear it last week either. No, so I didn't it hear it last week either. Audible over the over the call. Yeah. Um. So delays on development. Um. They were in pre-production for a very long time, but I think even though they had the script that everybody liked, they they for whatever reason it was decided that it was not ready to shoot. So it may have been too ambitious uh, or just un, you know, reasonable in terms of uh, what the production company wanted to see. Um, Forster goes off to do some other movies, but he never leaves. They do a rewrite. Uh, so the next version of this is a guy named Matthew Michael Carnahan, uh, who is Joe Carnahan's brother. Okay. Um, so make of that what you will. Uh, <laughs> um, now, this guy's track record, I think, is interesting and does inform some of the things that I will say about this movie in the second half. This is uh, his resume of scripts. Uh, the Kingdom, uh, Jamie Foxx war movie, Lions for Lambs, the Redford Streep Cruise mm. movie mm-hmm. that I was that it's a, like a war drama that I completely forgot about and then i think it was part of the box office game oh yeah and i think i had said i don't know if i sent this to you 
or to our friends Adam and Ross, but I was basically like, would you, like, what would you say if I told you there was a movie from the last 20 years that starred Robert Redford, Meryl Streep, and Tom Cruise, and no one remembers what it is? Yeah. And one of them, yeah. Go ahead. No, one of them was like, oh, yeah, was that like a, is that like a war movie or something? Like, yeah, that's it. That's, yeah, that's I barely all I remember, remember, too. Like, even, I can't, I can picture the poster a little bit. That's mm-hmm. pretty much all I got. It's their faces. So. Oh, okay. Then. <laughs> um, State of Play, political thriller in 2009, then World War Z. And he goes on to write Deepwater Horizon. Uh, I heard that's 21, good. Yeah, 21 Bridges, the Chadwick Boseman movie that I never saw. I never saw that. Dark Waters, the uh, DuPont uh, sort of expose legal thriller starring Mark Ruffalo that I actually have wanted to see for some time. Um, so this guy's got a lane and it seems to be uh, sort of political war thrillers, right? Uh-huh. So again, you're, it's, I think it's interesting that they're holding course saying like, we're not going to bring in horror guys to do this. Like yeah. we are going to, we're having people, it's going to be a horror movie only because it involves zombies, but we're trying to make a different kind of movie. Well, that makes sense. And this is no reflection of mm. my opinion, but it's mm. not really a horror movie. It's I agree, much yeah. more of an action movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Action thriller, maybe. Yeah. Um, so after this draft, after the, um, the Carnahan draft um, kind of reignites uh, development again. People started moving forward. Um, they confirmed Pitt. They confirmed Forrester again, and then they went looking for more financing, which they found in um, David Ellison and his Skydance production company, famously uh. the father of Megan Ellison, who I thought should have bought Cinerama Dome and didn't. And yeah, yeah. Stupid. Is she um, A24? Is that- she, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and also she's, you know, billionaire so Mm -hmm. it's like it would have been pretty easy to buy it um yeah so uh pre-production finally starts in earnest in 2011 cinematographer one of the greatest living cinematographers one of only three people uh who's won the academy award for best cinematography three times uh bob richardson Fame, like most people would know him now for working with Quentin Tarantino. Uh-huh. Um, but he actually started um, back in the eighties. Platoon was, uh, was his first uh, or one of his first couple of movies and one of like his first nomination. Right. But uh, so people who, um, who aren't familiar with Robert Richardson, Bob Richardson is what I guess people call him and his style so he's very famous for this top-down, very diffuse lighting. Uh-huh. Um, so imagine Pulp Fiction. It's almost like there's a light directly above the actors' heads. And then you use filtration on the camera to create this bloom, right? This glow that comes from all the light. Uh-huh. Um, so now that you know that, next time you watch a Tarantino movie yeah. or one of his other movies, but he's done a bunch of Oliver Stone stuff. JFK looks like this. Natural Born Killers looks like this. Oh. Um, keep your eyes peeled for it. It's yeah, pretty it interesting. Yeah, definitely. I never, yeah. I never noticed it knowingly. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. 
it's one of the more notable calling cards amongst famous cinematographers. Like it's a very specific look that he sort of has ownership over. Although, you know, lots of other people do it. Yeah. Um, so he comes on as the cinematographer. Uh, then they start casting. They get a bunch of people who ended up in the movie. There were some people who they wanted in the movie who were originally attached and then left. Ed Harris, one of these folks. Interestingly enough, another one was Matthew Fox, um, who is still in the movie. Really? He's very hard to catch because he barely has any speaking lines. Um, he's one of the uh, seals or, or whatever it is that, that picks them up off the roof. Um, oh. Yeah. He's, oh, he's in, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's in the movie for like, 90 seconds but interesting at one point he was set to to have a much larger role and then he left to go do tyler perry's alex cross instead oh wow. um, yeah isn't he uh, supposed to be a real piece of shit <laughs> that's possible i don't really know much about him. i heard he's an asshole i believe it i don't know you know i'll believe anything you tell me <laughs> um, so brian cranston was at one point uh in negotiations um and, and it's interesting the quote on this is he was set to join the film in a small but flashy role but it had to drop out due to scheduling conflicts i have to assume that's the david morse character yeah i would think so although i wouldn't yeah. i don't know how flashy that role is but yeah i mean that is the only one that really makes sense yeah it's one of the easiest places to recognize the calling cards of bob richardson oh interesting okay uh, I'll yeah, back if you that. go back and watch that scene, uh, or the scene where they're going through the uh, the the burned remnants of uh, of know, the uh, what what had happened. There. Oh, okay, yeah, no, that actually I can picture in my head. Yeah, um, they got into a bunch of legal trouble because they smuggled a bunch of uh, prop guns uh, into Budapest. <laughs> oh, um, that they didn't get proper clearance for. Um, and the the import documentation said that the weapons were all disabled for prop purposes. When they seized them all, turns out they were all fully functional weapons. Um, and the funny thing is, like, they took them to court. Ultimately, they had to drop the charges because no one was able to pin it on someone. Because huh. the, the production was so large and there were so many people involved. Uh, that according to the, they were not able to establish which party was criminally liable, so they just gave it up. Wow, um, which is pretty funny. Um, so they go into production with this script. They shoot uh, the mon the movie's budgeted at 125 million dollars. Then, in 2012, Damon Lindelof is hired to completely rewrite the third act of the film, and they scheduled a bunch of reshoots. Um, so the story behind this seems to be that, um, the ending as they had written it and tried to film it was, uh, kind of just very abrupt and didn't really make much sense. Okay. Um, and this is something Lindelof is kind of famous for. He did this for Prometheus, which we've covered on the film on the, on yeah. the podcast before he did this with this, uh, second Star Trek movie, which he clearly did not fix. Um, <laughs> but, uh, he, you know, so he comes in to essentially set the stage. Like he, he structures what it's going to be this new third act, but then 
has a prior engagement, has to leave. So then they bring on his lost co-creator, Drew Goddard, Mm -hmm. uh, who actually comes in and writes the new third act of the movie. Um, What's interesting about this is everyone they interviewed about this is at least, you know, outwardly trying to say, you know, this is the kind of thing that often is sort of indicative of like a sinking ship. But the Goddard said the the whole his takeaway was plan B and then their co-financiers essentially said this where you have too much invested in this movie to release a subpar product. Uh So we are going to spend whatever it takes to make this work. Um, which I think is an interesting, different perspective on it. I mean, we look at that yeah. stuff and we just say, well, that means this movie's fucking doomed. Uh, but he has a point that it's like, if you're investing more money into reshoots, then you are saying, like, if this we, this seems worth salvaging. Yeah, because if the movie was truly terrible, they just would write it off. Like, no, yeah. we're, fuck it, we'll release it. It'll come yeah. out in January. And that's or if, it. You, if, if it was HBO Max Discovery, they, yeah, would, they would just, just not release shelve it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the reshoots take the budget to $190 million. Um, so a bunch of the stuff that they had originally shot, they didn't use. And apparently this was some of the more expensive stuff they did. There was a huge battle in the red square in Moscow. So as opposed to being this sort of very small contained, uh, climax that this movie has, they were trying to do a world like like a fucking war basically with the zombies and i have a theory that i cannot prove but i think that there is a shot in the news footage at the end of the movie that is that i believe is repurposed footage from the scenes that they cut okay because there is there's one particular shot that's like a it's it's like a battle taking place and it's like a bunch of citizens basically it's not soldiers um and a guy like you know attacking one zombie but i looked at the shot and i was like the scale of this and it's not it's like not one of those things where it's like oh there's just three people in this but they make it feel like it's happening in a big space it's legitimately you can see like like 50 extras in the right right so it's like there's nothing there was there's no way they would have done this just for like a news shot yeah for what is essentially a three second shot so right Right. If you go back and watch this movie after listening to the podcast, take a look. Tell me if you think uh, that makes sense. Yeah. So anyways, the original ending, people didn't, it just wasn't working. Pitt was like supposed to be just like a big time action hero, like fighting his way through this battle. Um, the second unit director said it, it, it's, it sort of swerves from the rest of the movie, ceases to be at all character driven and just exploded into full on blockbuster action movie which is ultimately not what they wanted. Um, Then uh, (laughs) they have to change more scenes in the movie because China uh, rejects it. So they have to go back in and change some stuff so that they can get it into the Chinese market. We'll come back to that later. Um, But I'm getting through it. We're almost almost through most of the pre-pro stuff at least. Um, in fact, that's it for pre-production. Okay, so now let's talk about the standard stuff we usually talk about. Cast first. Um, it's, it's you know, obviously Brad Pitt is a huge star, but I would say then below the line, it's, you know, it's a lot of 
good actors, some TV actors, smaller right. parts, though. Not big names. Nobody notable. Right? I mean, that sounds harsh, but you know what I mean. Nobody recognizable. Yeah. Except yeah. For David so Morse. I, I mentioned before David Morse, who I'm a big fan of. He pops up in lots of uh, movies I like, but, you know, not a household name, certainly. Yeah. Um, James Badge Dale, who had a huge aughts and then completely disappeared from the from the face of the earth but he was uh chase on 24 did you ever watch oh 24? yeah okay yeah mm-hmm. he plays the captain of the uh, south korean air base yeah um and then uh who else uh in a smallish role at the who did you recognize moritz blib true <laughs> you know who he is i don't know I don't know who Moritz Blip True is. So he's the uh, he's uh, Lola's boyfriend in Run Lola Run. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I every time I see him in something, I'm like, it's the guy from Run Lola Run. Um, uh, Murray Enos Enos plays uh, Pitt's wife. She's sort of a recognizable face if people who watched The Killing on AMC, which was I think a fairly popular show at the time. Yeah. Uh, and she she sort of hung on and, and has done quite a bit of stuff, um, but maybe not anything bigger than that. I think this was sort of close to the peak of her popularity. Um, and one more a casting thing I want to talk about that I it was an in joke that I got when I was watching the movie, and I was hoping that people hadn't noticed. And then I went online, and of course, like everybody, everybody noticed. <laughs> so at the WHO. The uh, not the head doctor, but the one who in that scene is, uh, you know, pretending to be the man in charge. That's uh, British actor Peter Capaldi. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what he's most famous for? Doctor Who? Yes. So he's Doctor Who. At the time this movie was filmed, he had been cast as the new Doctor Who, but had not yet appeared as Doctor Who. Oh. oh and he was okay. cast in this film as a. W H O doctor. Oh, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I kind of like that. That's fun. Yeah. Um, all right. So music, Marco Beltrami, who we know from the scream series and yep. working with Wes Craven. Um, he also did one of the Halloween movies. I think H two O we talked about. Yeah. I'll say right now, I like the score a lot. Um, in particular, there's like a sort of title theme that I really like a bunch and I don't know if other people do and if it's just me. I don't know that I noticed it um, because it's my first time watching it, but I'll send you the track. Maybe we can throw it in between. Yeah. I'll put it in between segments. Yeah. Um, So the written down final budget for this, do you want to take a guess? So we 190 was the last time we checked in. So what they, yeah, what they think, they never really fully released the information, but like the rumors have it that this movie cost to um just bumping it up to 200 million seems too low for mm. you setting me up. So I'll say mm. 220. It's almost exactly right. I think they said 225 wow. roughly. Wow. Which is That's especially in 2013, very expensive. Yeah. One of the more expensive movies ever made. Wow. Um so the funny thing is, it's it's you you find yourself in that uh, that weird sort of twilight zone where this movie made half a billion dollars, but according to <laughs> most people, it's like it 
profited a little bit. Yeah. Like it broke even and then they made a very modest amount of money on That's it. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, um, with that budget like that, you have to be fucking Avatar yeah. or like yeah. Endgame. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, famously for people who don't really, we I think we've mentioned this on the podcast before, but if you don't follow box office and budget stuff, budget generally does not include advertising and PR. Right. So on big movies, that number can balloon over another $100 million. So even though the they claim a budget of 220 225 that could easily be 325 or even 350 jesus this is fucking wild <laughs> um reviews were pretty good um most of the big critics gave it positive reviews um some of the quotes that i like ao scott from the new york times says it doesn't try to extend the boundaries of commercial entertainment but does what it can to find interesting ways to pass the time within them. Um, I thought that was pretty apt. Yeah. Um, which is probably, I don't think I can give away too much about what I thought because I've been talking about how I yeah, you talk about movie how, for like yeah. the last eight weeks. So really everyone just wants to know what Eric thought about it, which we will Oof. get to very shortly. Last thing I want to talk about is the sequel. Um, so, it was originally viewed by Mark Forster uh, as a trilogy. Um, again, they were looking at the Bourne series as a model. Um, they wanted to do something in that zone. Um, so in, I want to say, 2014, uh, they attached director J.A. Bayona, who... Uh, <laughs> do 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 <laughs> by Bayona. Um, this is the guy who did The Orphanage. Uh, oh, yeah. And The Impossible, the tsunami movie. Uh, he directed the first couple episodes of Rings of Power. He also did Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, which is at least not as much of a piece of shit as the last one. Um, and it's kind of weird, entertaining in its own way, but it is very bad. Um, can we talk about that for a second, too? We don't have to go into it, but... I mean, how badly did they fuck up the Jurassic Dude, series? I mean, I stopped watching after um, the Lost World because Wait, the second movie, the second movie, yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is underwhelming, certainly. Yeah, and it's just that the first one is so fucking good. At least I yeah. remember being good. I'm sure it, it is. still is. It's great. And then they just got so weird with every sequel. It just yeah. gets, it's like a new genre every every movie. Yeah. The last one, which I only watched because it's on Peacock, is just like, it's an abominable piece of shit. It's crazy. <laughs> like, it's not just like a, oh, boring popcorn special effects movie. Like, it's actively terrible. Is it the is that a Trevorrow one? Uh, I, is it? I think he might have come back for it. Ugh. Jurassic World Dominion. Yeah, it is. Okay. I think Star Star Wars dodged a bullet there. Um, Did it? But yeah, man, it's fucking <laughs> awful. It's so bad. And I will say, <clears throat> you know, Chris Pratt, I think, has succeeded in uh, hemorrhaging almost all of the cachet and a fan, like you know, sort of appreciation that he that he had. Uh, he's he's just fucking hot trash now. 
Yeah. Oh, he's, yeah. I mean, he's yes. terrible. He's absolutely terrible in the movie. And so is Bryce Dallas Howard, who I've never really liked very much. Talk about Nepo babies. <laughs> Man, I, I don't know that there's any amount, unless we start, unless we covered it on the show, I don't think I'll uh, ever see another Jurassic Park movie. I, I mean, know. I'm almost inclined to refuse to cover the Jurassic series because I don't want to watch that shit again. Yeah. And they're um, also not really horror. I guess the yeah. first one. I don't know. Maybe you actually, know that, I, I heard the later ones are more horror than the than. Well, the, Bayona's the Fallen Kingdom one is probably the most like that of any of them, huh. besides, like beyond the first. I had a. You just gave me an idea right now. What if next time, like in the future, when we have to pick a one movie franchise, what if we just did things where there's only one good movie and the rest are terrible? <laughs> That's a good call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because those those would be movies that we don't do, because like now I don't want to do. I always use this as an example, mm. though I do actually want to do this at some point. Uh-huh. Wishmaster, because they're <laughs> all bad. Yeah, but um, yeah, that's a funny idea. I am interested in doing Wishmaster as well. We should talk about that. Sure. Um. Okay. So to finish up, I swear this is the home stretch. So it's talking about the um the sequel the planned sequel right this is perhaps to me the most depressing part of this entire situation so uh there was the will uh and the money was there initially um after bayona um he leaves i think he actually left probably to go do fallen kingdom um then Later in 2016, David Fincher Holy shit. enters negotiations to direct. And in 2017, Variety reports that he is close to signing to direct the sequel. Wow. And then they announced that it still hadn't started filming. It was going to be pushed back a year. In, in late 2017, Fincher is confirmed by Paramount as the director of the sequel. With Brad Pitt to return, I'm 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 throwing my hands up for then everyone nothing. at home. Yeah. Um, then Fincher basically it seems like pre-production slows down. Fincher goes to do Mindhunter. Doesn't officially leave, but it's basically just pieces out for a year, right? Um, so then they say, okay, we're pushing to 2019. They do more pre-production. They got as far oh, no. as staffing up. Now it it happened before COVID, okay. But but it does have a little bit of a connection to COVID in its own roundabout way. <laughs> um, ultimately, in 2019, the film gets canceled. The Hollywood Reporter quotes an anonymous source as saying the primary reason they canceled production of the film was because of the Chinese government's ban on zombie movies. Wow. They have a ban on zombie movies? Yes, they do. So that is terrible news for any Hollywood zombie movie. I know. Because they're not going to make them. No no one's going to make a big budget zombie movie until that changes. Wow. It's just culturally they don't like zombies? Uh, I mean... (laughs) Listen, I don't want to. Who knows? Yeah, let's. I mean, it's not. I don't want to get. Uh, all I will say is, I think, you know, it wouldn't be too difficult 
to draw on your little board with pins and yarn to draw connections between uh, population control, keeping the population, uh, you know, uh, under uh, the spell of the government. And uh, I don't know. We just confirmed that. Wow. We basically confirmed that COVID did, in fact, come from a Chinese lab. Uh-huh. Um, I I don't know. I all I I can see why the Chinese government would be like, we can't have people thinking about zombies. Wow. Um, anyways, I think that's incredibly depressing. One more thing I forgot to mention. I was going to get back to this. Bob Richardson starts the movie, shoots some of the movie, leaves. To go do Django Unchained with Tarantino. Uh-huh. Basically, his guy calls him and says, hey, we're going to do another movie. And he says, okay, cool. I love this zombie movie, but I'm going to do this instead. Um, but he's replaced by sort of one of his protégés, uh, a guy that worked with him on Platoon and The Doors. His name Newton Thomas Siegel, uh, who <laughs> is best known for collaborating with uh, to tie everything up with a neat bow, famous Hollywood director Brian Singer. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> he started with um, The Usual Suspects. But I'll say, uh, you know, there's no evidence to suggest sure. that their personal lives overlapped at all. And Thomas Newton Siegel has a pretty impressive resume on his own uh, in the last... 15 years i would call out he he shot drive oh, um wow. which is a pretty good looking movie definitely um, and he's worked for spike lee he shot the crouching tiger sequel so he's no he's nobody to sneeze at There's um, a crouching tiger sequel yeah yeah sword of destiny you don't remember that no yeah it's like seven years ago i do not remember that at all okay well anyways that is all of the craziness. Well, not really. It's just the tip of the iceberg. But that's oh. all the time we have for the craziness that goes into the production of World War Z. It probably uh, has something to do with the fact that I have a seven-year-old. So it was <laughs> that, that year's a blur. Oh, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Was I? This is this is a conversation for off the air. Were, was was your wife pregnant with your son when I was staying at your house? That during the shooting of, of another Yeti love story? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, this would. No, no. I don't think so, actually. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's close. Because she was. Pr- no, because our premiere was mm-hmm. when she was nine months pregnant. So in that movie, it took like a year to. Yeah, you're right. Put out so mi- missed it by a couple months. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That's too bad. I you were hoping that I would, you were in the room or not in the house when he was conceived. <laughs> in the room where it happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or yeah, I would like to believe that I was in the house when he was conceived. Yeah. Nope. Nope. That would explain some things about how what he looks like. So. <laughs> <laughs> I only I uh, only took one try. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> good. Good work. Good to know, right? Okay. All right. Let's take a quick break. <laughs> Does it live in a jungle? No. Oh. Is it really fast? No. Does it live on the Great Plains of Africa? No. Hey! What is going on? 
Hold on, guys. Daddy, be careful on the road. Jerry? Get back in your car right now! Remain with your feet! Former United Nations investigator Jerry Lane, his wife Corinne, and his two daughters Rachel and Connie are in heavy Philadelphia traffic when the city is overrun by zombies. Jerry discovers it takes 12 seconds for an infection to complete. As chaos spreads, the Lanes escape to Newark and take refuge in an apartment with a couple and their young son Tommy. They're rescued by a helicopter sent by UN Deputy Secretary General uh, Thierry Umantoni. Terry Umantoni. Thierry. Thierry Umantoni. <laughs> <laughs> and bring Tommy with them after his parents are both infected due to their refusal to accompany them. The group is brought to a U.S. Navy vessel in the Atlantic Ocean where scientists and military personnel are analyzing the outbreak. Dr. Fosbach, a virologist, uh, insists the plague is a virus and the development of a vaccine depends on finding its origin. And Jerry, after, fi after his family are threatened with eviction from the safety of the vessel, agrees to help Fosbach in his search. I'm going to say... Fosbach? No, no, I was just going to say, so far, uh, I'm unimpressed by this plot synopsis. This recap? Yeah. Yeah. Jerry, Fosbach, and a Navy SEAL escort... First fly, es Navy Seal oh, a Navy escort. Seal escort. <laughs> yeah, yep. First fly to Camp Humphreys in South Korea, where the first report of zombies occurred. Upon landing, they are attacked by zombies, calling Fosbach to panic and accidentally kill himself when he trips over and accidentally shoots himself in the head with his own gun. American soldiers at the camp rescue the team, and Jerry learns the infection was introduced to the base by its doctor. Jerry interviews an imprisoned CIA officer at the base who tells him to go to Israel, 
revealing Israeli Mossad were able to learn about the virus before the outbreak occurred and managed to build a safe zone. Corinne attempts to contact Jerry by phone, and the group is attacked by zombies attracted by the ringing, while only Jerry and the pilot escape. I think her name's just Karen. Karen? Okay. I think so. It's also, K-A-R-I-N. Is it is. Yeah. yeah. It's a weird spelling. Karen. I was going to say, this also leaves out, it's not plot important so much, but I think my favorite part of the the, the CIA officer is David Morris. And his scene, he, he recounts how North Korea has controlled the zombie outbreak because within a span of 24 hours, they pulled the teeth of every single North Korean. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. And he is like pulled out most of his teeth as he's like showing. Yeah. He's showing Jerry this. It's fucking intense. And uh, yeah. What does he say? Something like no bite. No. Yeah. And no, I, I don't know. No. no he like pulls his tooth out with his bare hand. Yeah, he does. <laughs> but it seems like he's been getting them loose for a while. Sure. He's not. He's not mentally well. Uh. <laughs> I mean, are any of us uh, these days? In Jerusalem, Jerry meets Jurgen Warmbrun. Warmbruns. Warmbruns. A high-ranking official in Mossad who explains that they have intercepted the communications from armies of Indian troops fighting against the Rakshasa. Nice, you nailed it. Uh, with their knowledge, the country managed to quarantine itself by building a large wall and allows a large number of refugees to enter the city. While Warmbrun shows Jerry around, a loud celebratory singing from the <laughs> refugees attracts zombies from the outside of the city, and they breach the wall. As the city is quickly overrun, Warmbrun orders Israeli soldiers to escort Jerry back to his plane, being provided by air support from an Israeli Defense Force helicopter. On the way, Jerry notices zombies ignoring an old man and an emaciated boy. When one of the escorts, identifying himself herself only as Sagan, 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 yeah, Sagan, is bitten on the hand, Jerry quickly amputates the appendage, preventing further infection, and the pair are able to make it out of the city aboard a commercial airliner. Musing on what he saw in Jerusalem, Jerry calls Thierry and has him divert the plane to a World Health Organization medical research facility in Cardiff. On approach, a stowaway zombie is discovered, and the majority of passengers and flight attendants are quickly infected. Jerry sets off a grenade to rupture the cabin and eject the zombies, but it also results in a crash landing. Jerry and Sagan arrive, uh, sorry, survive the crash and make their way to the Cardiff facility, where he faints from his injuries. Three days later, Jerry is awakened and explains a theory, awakens and explains a theory, that the zombies ignore terminally ill or severely injured people who are unsuitable hosts for the infection. What are you laughing at, you fucker? <laughs> I see you. No, it's, me I, it's, you know, it's uh, this week we decided to experiment with how drunk Eric could get before he read the how synopsis. Dr- how dare you? Uh, <laughs> to who employees? What? Okay. Um, anyway, he suggests injecting themselves with a deadly pathogen to act as a camouflage against the zombies. However, the scientists point out their pathogens are located in a zombie infested portion of the facility. 
Jerry, Sagan, and the head doctor battle their way through the lab, where Jerry finds himself in the room with the pathogen samples. Before he can leave, a lone zombie appears behind the door and blocks Jerry's only means of escape, forcing him to inject himself with one of the pathogens to test his theory. When Jerry opens the door, his theory is proving correct. The zombie ignores him, allowing him to walk with the pathogen samples and safely bypass the rest of the zombies in the lab. Jerry and Sagan arrive at a safe zone in Freeport, Nova Scotia, where he is re reunited with his family and Tommy. A vaccine is developed which acts as a camouflage against the zombies, allowing survivors to safely escape zombie-infested areas and even mount offensives against them. But the war goes on. I feel like there's a lot of subtlety lost in that synopsis. But that's okay. It's a long movie with a lot of things happening. A lot of things happen. Yeah. In this movie. Um, also, I was just looking at the Wikipedia while you were reading that. I was wrong. Two sixty nine million is what they quote as the holy shit. Uh, what they believe the actual budget was. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. Eric, you'd never seen World War Z before. No, this is my first time. I am scared because I feel like I've talked about it to a degree where you could only be disappointed. So my only hope is that you kind of enjoyed it, but lay it on us. What is your blood and guts check for World War Z? Uh, my blood and guts check for the 2013 film World War Z starring Brad Pitt. Um, I liked it. <laughs> I liked it. I, I I had fun watching it. Um, I I think uh, there's a. It's interesting in the way that it presents zombies. It's like it is fast zombies to the max with three yeah. X's. Yeah, and the zombies almost behave like water. The way that they flow mm -hmm. um, through streets and cities and over walls and it's not my preferred zombie behavior mm -hmm. but it does lend a certain amount of dread and hopelessness to yeah. the movie where it's like in most zombie movies i can put myself in there and think well, okay this is what i would do yeah. and in this case i'm like no i would fucking die yeah because people change so quickly yeah, I think the airplane scene is a great illustration of that. Where yeah. It's, it's just like, there's fucking nothing you can do. It's like before you can even react, something bad's happening mm -hmm. to you. So I think it's interesting in that regard. Um, but I do think some of the chaos, because it's a chaotic as fuck movie. Sure. Some of the chaos tends to overwhelm some of the more subtle character mm -hmm. moments that I would have liked. Yeah. Uh, what about you? How is how is watching it this time? Well, that's an interesting closing or ending thought because I, my journey with this movie has been that each time I watch it, I like it a little more. Sure. And I think that that may have something to do with what you're hinting at, which is the first time you watch it, it's almost like too much to... Yeah to appreciate enjoy it is chaotic there is a lot going on it moves so fast so many different set pieces and different locations yeah it moves it's two hours long it moves fast yeah fast this is, this is the opposite of a netflix series this is like yeah this is yeah netflix would have made this 10 episodes um but 
so as I continue to rewatch it, every time I catch some more smaller moments or things that I sort of overlooked the last time, mm-hmm. which I really appreciate, which is a weird thing to say about this kind of movie. Uh, it's not really what you would expect. And I think that's also part of what I really like about this movie is that it's not what you would expect. You know, we're we're talking about watching zombie movies. And, yeah, you know, yeah. even when we have movies that, um, you know, go in pretty different directions from the Romero series, I think it's not just like the way zombies are prevented, presented, which is I think you made a really good point about that sort of analogy of water, which is, you know, deliberate. Mm-hmm. But it's also like the way the movie itself uh, happens. How uh, like so? So let me. This is this is sort of my overwhelming thought. If you asked me why do you like this movie so much, I think my first and best answer would be this movie. I think fits pretty neatly into a specific genre of film that I just really really like Uh and not necessarily because of like overall quality it's just a thing that i really enjoy and that is a little subgenre that is referred to as competence porn sure um so like clear examples of this would be things like apollo 13 um spotlight Mm -hmm. uh ron howard's newest movie 13 lives was a pretty good example of this but there is something incredibly satisfying to me about almost everyone in this movie is doing their job the best way they can. It's yeah. just, it's an insurmountable foe, but like Jerry as your protagonist is super capable, mm-hmm. but, but not in a way that ever feels like comic booky to me. He's not like a superhero. He's- yeah. Even though he looks like Brad Pitt, he doesn't ever feel like a bigger than life uh, action hero. Yeah. Um, like I, I could put it this way. I think what makes him so effective, like the reason why he wins the whole fucking movie boils down to he's smart, yeah. which is like not something we get all that much. You look at the last handful of Romero movies we watched and oh boy, yeah. It's just a fucking truckload of dummies. Yeah. And, you know, he just, the, the way his character is written, he makes smart decisions. He is sort of like, it's it's a little bit of a, almost like a mystery, right? He He's picking up clues and learning things as he goes along. Um, I would point to, I always get a real kick out of the scene where he cuts Sagan's hand off. Yeah, um, because it's the kind of thing and it's not original. It's, you know, that's how Dead Alive opens. Um, it doesn't work in that movie. Dawn of the Day of the Dead? No, Dead Alive. Uh, oh, OK. Remember the the yeah, the Sumatran rat monkey. Oh, yeah, 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 right? yeah, 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 yeah. Who, who transports the disease. Um, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's like, what else can you do? It's it's the kind of thing where his character and a lot of the characters in this movie, they just make snap decisions that are solid i love him taping magazines around his arms i love that too that was you don't see that and that's exactly what i would do Mm -hmm. i thought about it that's what i would do (laughs) um a lot of this comes from the source material it's like the the book is really hard 
to adapt. You have to create a story out of whole cloth. But those moments are kind of what makes the book really good. Is like he sits and he thinks really hard about what would actually happen in a zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it's sort of impossible not to think about COVID when you watch yeah. this movie. <laughs> um, especially with like Israel, which if people don't remember, Israel was doing very well mm-hmm. with against COVID for a long time. And also we're like on the forefront of the vaccine and mm-hmm. getting their population vaccinated. So it's funny when we get to Israel in this movie, yeah. it's like they are, although it quickly goes wrong. And that's something I do want to touch back on. So I don't want to mm-hmm. lose track of that. But uh, yeah, that, there was elements of, of COVID obviously. And isn't that kind of what happened with COVID in Israel? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Right. Then, they like, were like Delta way ahead of the like, pack. And then, yeah. Yeah. Oh. New strain new, new came strains and really just fucked them of, up. Mm-hmm. Um, the th- one of the things yeah. that a criticism I would say is that, um, but I guess this is all happening really quickly after the initial outbreak. Mm-hmm. But it, it did get to feel a little rinse and repeat of like fly Brad Pitt to a place. Mm-hmm. Shit's going to go bad. Get him back on the plane. Get him to another place. Shit's going to go bad. Get him back on a plane. So mm-hmm. that it felt like we. Uh, convenient maybe is the word that sure. like yeah. as soon as he gets here that's when shit goes wrong in israel mm-hmm. um but i mean whatever it's a movie we're not here to see the boring parts yeah um no i mean i i yeah it's i think that's valid um one thing i like is i do think that these these different stops build on each other mm-hmm. uh to kind of put the puzzle pieces together for i mean it's a pretty simple discovery that he makes it's very straightforward yeah it's not like he has to it's not fucking sherlock holmes but i think there's a building that happens um i would say so so we can think about it this way right there's there's sort of i want to say six kind of distinct settings set slash set pieces right so we have the opening in the city in Philadelphia. Which is some great tension building. Yeah. Um, I just think, like, they just made some smart moves with this movie. It's like, they take their cues from, like, disaster movies, right? Mm-hmm. We've yeah, seen yeah, yeah. the sequence before with tsunamis coming to hit a city or asteroids or... But it's like, no, this time it's zombies and it's interesting. It's different, but the same at the same time. But you get Philly, you get Newark... Mm-hmm. Which is a different kind of, you know, that's that's your tall building, and we have the supermarket scene, which is, I think, you know, interesting. Stressful. It's very stressful, extremely stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't consider it like a whole set piece, but we do get the stopover on the ship to on get the ship, yeah, to get the missionist. But that's mostly expository. So then we go to South Korea, mm-hmm. then we go to Israel. We have the plane sequence, and then finally we end up in Wales, right? <laughs> Yeah, what was your favorite of those? What I'm glad you were going to say. I, I was just going to say that no matter what, because I, um, I think of all of those, my two favorite are is the opening in Philadelphia and then the plane. Uh, I really enjoy the plane stuff, although it yeah. is a big choice to blow a hole in the side of a plane with yes, a grenade. It that is could have gone very wrong, but it's it's it's. 
I think they do a really good, and this is a credit to Mark Forster and his directing, at least in this movie, that it's like that moment when he's making that decision and he's looking around the plane, it, it feels very, it's like, I don't want to say reasonable, but it's, he does a good job of establishing that. Like, this is it. Like, what else are you going to do? Yeah. There's nothing else you can do. Like you can, you can blow everything up and hope you survive. But if you don't do anything, you're all like everyone, you're going to be dead in, in 20 seconds. Yeah. You know? Um, and I do think that the tension building with that is handled really well, specifically just those few moments when the uh, zombie outbreak is happening in the back half of the plane, but yeah, not in the yeah. front and everyone is trying to be really quiet and like stack up all the suitcases and stuff. Well, that shit's really fucking tense. Yeah, it is. Um, uh, what, what would you say is your favorite parts? The plane is definitely up there. Um, yeah, on this watch, it would, it would be the plane. I think. Yeah. Um, smaller moments. Like I said, I really like, uh, I like everything that leads to the plane. So like basically when it's Jerry and Sagan, um, escaping Jerusalem, uh-huh. when he cuts her hand off, yeah, when they get yeah. to the airport, all of that stuff. Like, like another one of the things going back to the competence porn idea. One of the things I really like is all the side characters that, you know, at least in this script, recognize the magnitude of what's happening and what, jerry's job is mm-hmm. and just like you know the idea that all those israeli soldiers escort them to the plane and only they get on yeah right in, a, in another movie there definitely would be a scene where his life is in danger by by like army people who don't want to listen to what he's saying yeah. and throw him into jail and he has to you know he has yeah. to convince somebody to let him out you know that kind of thing it's almost it, that doesn't happen in this it's almost like utopian is not the right way to put it i know but what you mean it's like what you would have hoped covid would have yeah. been like it's idealistic in the way that it's like you know everybody would band together mm-hmm. to try to get this thing yeah and it's funny i wanted to make a joke of like so like you know you know fucking red hats would be like no there's, there's no such thing as the zombies but like right. the zombies happen so quickly mm-hmm. it within seconds of the outbreak in philadelphia yeah. there are massive explosions happening yeah. everywhere so it's like there wouldn't even be time yeah i'm thinking <laughs> i'm thinking too it's i mean maybe it's a little pro-military like pro-government in the way it unfolds sure, yeah yeah but like i think of the seal uh, when they're leaving South Korea, right? Like somebody has to go like disconnect the fuel pump yeah. from from the plane. And the guy just like turns to Jerry and he's like, you better be right about Israel. And just goes yeah. and commits like, commits just suicide. goes kamikaze basically, commits suicide to get that plane off the ground. Can you remind me why the zombies didn't attack? Uh, was it him? They don't attack one of the guys and it's because I, he has cancer or something. I, yeah, the implication is that he has cancer, okay. um, and that's why he's walking like his legs he's fucked limp. up. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah, I mean that's that. I think that's pretty much it. That's and, it. Okay, there wasn't anything do, more that I missed. Yeah, I do appreciate that as that for that being the first of the clues. It's subtle enough that you don't even in the moment you don't necessarily in the moment go, oh, what is this about? Like this yeah. has to mean something. Right. You get that later on in Israel. You get that. I feel like you can't, you can't really look past the emaciated kid and, you know, 
the old uh, man the old man because it's like they're they're pretty obvious at that point about what's going on um what did you th- feel about the zombies scaling the walls in Israel I think it's probably one of the more controversial yeah points in the movie as far as it's zombie really... fandom goes okay I it's like it's like two strikes and and a positive like it's like two good one two bad one good so I think one the premise is sort of dumb I think they yeah. could have come up with a better way to motivate those zombies over the wall the singing refugees is fucking stupid yes. um <laughs> it's stu- that's why i started yeah. laughing when we yeah. read about read it mm-hmm. two the effects are not good mm-hmm. um and throughout the movie there's a there's a number of solid digital effects these you're just i think you're just asking too much uh of the mm-hmm. technology and of the vfx artists in 2013 where it's like trying to animate you know literal thousands of zombies scrambling doesn't look great as a concept i think it's cool i think the actual like like they use it more or less as the visual for the poster of the movie Um, Uh uh-huh and i do think it's it to your point about the water well i guess this wasn't your point about the water but water the movements of water are also sort of, you see that in nature with colonies of organisms. Yeah. Like ants and yeah. Insects. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, so you watch that scene and you kind of get this impression that of the zombies as like, like he talks about, it's like the virus is almost, that's the enemy. Right. Um, which is funny. It reminds me a little bit of the last of us. Mm -hmm. Um, where it's like they're they're really moving together and it's not coordination but it's just the way that they all have a singular goal so it it makes them act sort of as one larger force right you know uh that's my what was your take on it um yeah i mean pretty much what you what you said i i think the effects are a little bit make it a little laughable in some way in mm-hmm. some ways yeah. but also i really like it's a not a theme but it's something that happens throughout the movie that zombies are just like lemmings and kind of essentially will jump to their own deaths. Yeah. Yeah. No pun intended. Um, when they're chasing people. So the, I did like that aspect of like just the zombies falling from the top of the wall and like hitting the cars below them. Yeah. Um, and I, and I generally like that whole chase throughout, through Israel, especially from like the grenade going off Mm -hmm. on, like you were saying, up until you get onto the plane. Yeah. Um, that's probably one of the more exciting points in the movie other than the opening for me. Yeah. Uh, I was a little bit colder on the ending. Yeah, I wanted to get into that because it's obviously this would be one of the more – it's not controversial so much as like there's obviously – there's a lot behind this ending. This is – this mm-hmm. was a re, this was a total rewrite and reshoot. Um. So yeah, tell me what works, what doesn't for you in this last act. Um, it's not the scale of it because that was fine with it being a more intimate mm-hmm. um, ending. It was the him having to inject himself. The whole like so, I guess it was really like logistically. It's like so, what is mm. he injecting himself with that's going to kill him? Is it going to kill him? How, are they able to get that? Did well, they describe? Did they I, I say something like... that I missed? 
they have this discussion initially and then my what what my head does is it's like they probably talked about the details more after what we saw yeah okay but they basically they do have it out where it's like he requests something very specific which is like a fatal uh bacteria what do they say it should be a bacteria or no it's not a bacteria it's like i don't remember they said whatever it was it was like not a virus i think it was a bacteria Mm -hmm. um but he says specifically it needs to be something that we have a cure for so it's okay i miss i missed that then yeah that's his that his explicit request is i need a fatal disease that can be that we have the ability to cure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so the implication then is he's discussed this with the WHO doctors and they've told him where to go and which what things to, do. To, okay. to grab. It is still very convenient. It, uh, you have to suspend your disbelief. It's like, yeah, he just takes a vial full and shoots it in his arm. And it's like, how much is, how much you know, yeah, safe? Exactly. Um, another thing that didn't occur to me until this viewing was the plan for getting in and out of there. I mean, I don't know the imaginary sort of architecture of this B-Wing, but presumably there's like an exit somewhere. Mm -hmm. Maybe you would consider just opening the door to the outside and then like setting off some speakers or something. something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Getting them all to run out and then going in when it's empty. Yeah. Yeah. And then... um just the resolution of it all felt very Hollywood. And mm-hmm. that makes sense. It's a big yeah. budget movie. It's a yeah. Hollywood movie. It's not a Romero movie. Mm-hmm. It, but the, the, I, I guess I wasn't, it's been a while since we've had a happy ending. <laughs> yeah. We've had right. hopeful endings, mm-hmm. but not really just like straight up. We won, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, this, then they haven't completely won, but this you, would be more effective. I think if, we ended with Jerry going to Nova Scotia like yeah yeah without confirming that his wife and kids have survived there sure right because yeah. he makes quite a big deal about how they're not safe there right right um so to just have them be okay in the last scene yeah i think is a little pat it's a little it's a little too hollywood for me what's your take on the ending um i agree with you any comp- i i would dis- I would dismiss any complaints about it not being on a, on a grand scale. I think we've had plenty of that in the movie at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, I almost like it as a change of pace. Yeah. Me um, too. I like the actors. Uh, I think I'd like, it's, it's a good crew of people to spend time with. Um, and, you know, I think it's, I think it's mostly effective, but again, it's like, when I now I've seen this movie like four or five times. And when I was watching it this time, I was like, I love the conception of the idea. I love him talking it out with the doctors. I enjoy when it actually, when the rubber hits the road and he injects himself and walks through, I think it's a satisfying climax to the film in between. Yeah. That guy's good. That's a good zombie and good zombie makeup. Really? They went to town on, on that dude. Um, That's, that's very, you sound like him. It's creepy. (laughs) <laughs> but um everything in between I could take or leave. Like all the run all the cat and mouse, all the banging on stuff and sneaking around and it's just like eh, you know. I, I mean think maybe at that point you just have a bit of fatigue from the yeah. chaos. Yeah. Um 
yeah, I think that, I think that's right. But I would say, you know, just hearing what the original ending was supposed to be and knowing what this is, it feels to me like it was probably a good decision. Um, Do you remember what the ending was supposed to be? Well, the original so. ending, like I said, it was just supposed to be like a massive battle in the Red Square in Moscow. Mm. Where, that's right. That's where right. Jerry is essentially, uh, Pitt is resuming his role in Troy, you know, as right, like right. Uh, the sort of super heroic leader in battle. Um, yeah, he should, he should, if he's going to be victorious in this movie, in, in fitting in with the rest of the film, it should happen because he's smart and he figured mm-hmm. something out, right? Um one more thing I want to talk about, just going again, going back to this idea of competence porn. Um, I I actually really enjoy all of the UN like the UN ship stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I like just the it's it's an interesting setup because it's almost like what you would see in like an eighties action movie. Like it's a little bit like like a Commando or something where where he's like he's just like the best and he's got to go back into action, but it's yeah. handled with such realism that it's, that it's like interesting to me. Yeah. Um, the idea that they made him a UN investigator as opposed to a soldier. Uh, yeah. Is interesting. And it, and it, and it, it makes for a better journey because he's investigating instead of uh, just fighting. Yeah. He has the line. He said, there's a lot of great lines in this script. I got to be honest. I think there's some really good. Uh, he's in the plane with the doctor and he's talking about the seals and he's like, these guys are hammers. They look at everything and they see a nail. Yeah. Right. And, the, you know, that's that there. But for the grace of God goes Jerry. Right. In another version of the script, he's just that. Right. Yeah. He's a more thoughtful person and his like combat experience is all pretty brutal stuff too the the way they describe Mm -hmm. it so it makes sense that he's able to keep cool under pressure like this yeah um yeah no it's a good it's an interesting choice that i appreciate that's not he's not Mm -hmm. just like a a schwarzenegger action hero kind of guy yeah and just like smart little touches all throughout the idea that they think he's dead and then they ship his family off the boat like Mm-hmm. it's a little it's a little thing it adds some stakes but it also it's like yeah i guess that feels that feels pretty legitimate to me yeah um the only thing i think we haven't talked about much uh is the south korea stuff which i do like um i, I yeah i like uh david morse's little bit i think it's a it's a good kind of creepy unsettling thing i like the i like the north korea story mm-hmm. um and and again it, it goes to the same thing of, of all these guys that are basically like okay well a bunch of us are probably gonna die but we gotta get this guy back on his plane and get it fueled up so let's do it yeah uh one thing we didn't mention that i think we do need to briefly touch on mm-hmm. is uh brad pitt might have the most perfect hair of all time in the movie. <laughs> i didn't know that's something that our social media yeah. uh guru scott jennings yeah. posted about and it is it's a really great head i mean hair. he's just fucking hot in this he's hot movie. man he's he's so hot <laughs> yeah this might be peak pit because like he's still very attractive but he's looking older now yeah um and like young, very young, like really matinee idol pit. Of course, 
is is good for some people, but I think there's something about he's getting just a little bit of salt and pepper in his stubble, mm-hmm. and yeah, that hair, man, and yeah, yeah, God, what a what a what a hunk of man, what a hunk. <laughs> All, All right. right. Um, I think that's let me just briefly look. No, I think that's it. Okay. That's all I really had. Okay. So I uh, did a little bit of editing on the kill count because <laughs> this movie has an insane number of deaths and oh. zombies. and Yeah. That reminds me of one more thing that we don't really have to reflect on too much, but worth throwing out there. Because I said this the first time it came up on the podcast. If you've only seen this once and all you saw was oh, yeah. the theatrical cut, um, it's not like it's night and day. But... I was wondering that because it's still not incredibly graphic. No. But in the theatrical cut, almost every single act of like physical violence to a body happens off screen um, or at a great distance, you know. So there's a lot of blood spurting with the hand cut off that wasn't there in the theatrical cut. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it definitely helps. This is a movie that should be rated R. It's a and it's a kind of a cynical decision to make it PG-13. I understand why they did it. I don't agree with it. Yeah. But I, I would say it's actually pretty similar to the Megan cuts where it's like it's not a substantial shift, but it's just enough to make it like. This is what it should be. This is this right. is a movie that should have some violence in it. Right. Yeah, I was wondering about that. <clears throat> okay. So uh, what I did was pretty much eliminated any unnamed character mm-hmm. that wasn't notable. So, for instance, unnamed person killed by zombie or unnamed zombies shot by soldiers. I yeah. covered that. Hopefully this list will jog something in your brain. Uh, unnamed police officer officer accidentally hit by an unnamed person with their truck. I know that seems like it goes against the rules, but it is a big surprise. It's the the first first death in the movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Zombie gets his head smashed against a car window after being kicked out of the RV by Karen. Zombie crushed between the RV and the bus by Jerry. Unnamed woman killed by either an unnamed. Okay, no, that. That was a mistake. I shouldn't have read that one. <laughs> uh, zombie gets his head smashed by Jerry with the butt of his rifle. Tomas's father is infected by a zombie off screen and revived as a zombie. Did you mention the shooting in the grocery store? No, I didn't. That one kind of sticks out to me. I feel like it gets its own moment when he kills that guy who's trying to. Yeah, you're right. Perhaps I, assault mis- his wife. A, mis- a mistake to uh, eliminate. No, it's fine. Also, Tomas's mother dies mm-hmm. um zombie gets shot in the back of the head by tomas who, as he's attacking jerry mm-hmm. and he saves him uh tomas's zombified father gets shot by a soldier and then um there's some zombies that accidentally fall off the building chasing the helicopter dr andrew fosbach accidentally shoots himself when he falls down on the plane <laughs> skilkin gets tackled and infected by a zombie Captain Specky, S-P-E, Speak, Speak, is com- uh, commits suicide by shooting himself in the head after being infected by a zombie. Um, zombies get sucked out of the plane after Jerry in the Navy SEAL lifts off. He gets uh, the tick off. Um, an unnamed Israeli soldier commits suicide by blowing himself up with a grenade. 
nine unnamed people accidentally gets crushed under metal bars after the explosion. The flight attendant gets infected and ditto with a bunch of people on that plane. Mm -hmm. And then the explosion sucks a bunch of zombies out of the plane, which crashes and kills the pilots as well. Dr. Spellman gets infected by the zombie virus. And then uh, Jerry hits a zombie in the head with a crowbar. And then, yeah, Jerry, a zombie gets his head smashed against a wall after being hit by Jerry with a crowbar. Yeah. At the end. Uh, so, Mike, what do you think is your favorite death in the movie? Um, so, my favorite act of violence in the movie is probably no surprise. It is the hand chop. I just get a kick out mm. of it. I enjoy yeah. that scene. I would say the death that works the best for me, that, that made me stand up and pay attention, is the last one you mentioned. It is the zombie sprinting at him, and he does a little kind of olay, hits him in the back of the head with a crowbar, and smashes his head into a wall. Oh, yeah. And and it's one of those things where it's kind of fun because it has the same vibe of, of the zombies jumping off roofs and, and stuff, where it's yeah. like, it essentially kills itself just because it's like so fucking crazed. So reckless, um, yeah. Yeah, but it's like there's a sort of thud thud impact to that and the rhythm of it and the speed with which it happens i think is pretty cool um mine is a little bit of a cheat because it's also my favorite death in any movie mm-hmm. uh it's when somebody falls down and accidentally shoots himself <laughs> made done. famous to me yeah. in out of sight yeah yeah <laughs> it's done very well it, like, it's really surprising yeah it's it, so like that man you you really expect that guy to be a main character mm-hmm and then he immediately kills himself in an incredibly dumb way. <laughs> yeah, it's very funny. But it, and it, and it is a funny way to kind of set up the rest of the movie. That it's like, okay, so now it's your job to figure this out. Even yeah, it def- I had a sense of like, so now what's the movie? <laughs> like, what's going on now? <laughs> yeah, uh, um, no, that's a great one. I think zombie thumbs up or down is this movie gory? I don't think so. I don't. I think it'd be a stretch. To, I mean, the un, the extended version that we watched mm-hmm. certainly is more gory, but it's not. Your grand, you know, my mom's not going to cringe too much. Yeah. Um, I would give it the. I think I've attempted to do in in the past the a sort of split the middle because I think, I think that. I dis. I I don't disagree with you. But I also think it's like a little bit informed by this is a zombie movie. So mm-hmm. like how much gore would a zombie movie have? And this has significantly less. But if this was just like, a, you know, just just any old movie, it's like a bunch of people do get killed and there's a significant amount of blood. Um, but it doesn't rise to a thumbs up for sure. So yeah. Cause would you say like a movie like John wick is gory? Well, in a way. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess I'll... to me, blood is a little separate from gore, which I okay. think has a bit of gruesomeness to it. Okay. I don't know. But that's just me. I mean, if that's how you're scoring, then I think you're right. Um, so it's, so maybe, but I think that almost even more reinforces my thought that it should just kind of fall in the middle. So yeah, I, give, sure. I, I give it the Roman, the Roman uh, Thumb arena the thumbs up, which is actually just a sideways thumb. 
Um, is this movie scary? Goes thumbs up or down. Hmm. It's a, I, it's like more exciting than yeah, scary. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's scary. It's invigorating and it's tense. Yeah. Uh, it's very tense at times, but it's like only scary in the way that like uh, once upon a time in Hollywood is scary. You know? Sure. Talking sure. about Brad Pitt. All right. Then finally, uh, wed, bed, or be had. I can go first. Um, yeah, like I said, I had fun with this movie. It didn't particularly blow me away. And sure. I do... Uh, I like what you said, that repeated viewings, you start to feel more characterization. So it does make me want to rewatch it at some point. But ultimately, I... I mean, it seems harsh for me to say that it's a fuck, but that's that's not bad. It's I think bed. it's a fuck. For, I think it's, it's a bed a, now. Aaron. You're right. Sorry. <laughs> I think this is a bed that trends towards wed for okay. me. I'd like to rewatch it again, but I, I'm not going to be in a hurry to do so, if that sure. makes sense. Yeah. I think that's totally fair, because if you had asked me to score this after the first time I saw it, I almost certainly would have said the same thing. Yeah. Um, I may be an outlier here, um, and I can imagine some of our listeners who consider themselves more sort of traditional horror fans not liking this movie. Um, if you came in wanting sort of a a specific kind of horror zombie movie experience you're getting something else entirely um but if you're like me and you really like horror movies and you also will watch apollo 13 through to the end whenever mm. you stumble across it on tv uh then i think you'd you'd you'd, you'd enjoy this quite a bit and after my rewatches i think just due to the sort of level of in intelligence like i i like that this is a big budget movie that also i mean it's not like some fucking genius piece of cinema it's not like you have to be in mensa to understand what's happening (laughs) but it gives the audience a lot more credit than i don't know most of the big blockbusters that come out these days yeah um so yeah for me it, it has gotten over that hump at this point um I do consider it to be a wed, although I I acknowledge that this is not one of those arguments where I say anyone who disagrees with me is stupid. It's one of those things that's like this is a this is a wed for me uh, and your mileage may vary. And I certainly appreciated watching it after the movies we just watched because it, it was a change <laughs> of pace. Yeah. You know, it, if nothing else, it is it's a different kind of zombie movie and. You know, I like to see that sometimes. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we have uh, one final segment.
We are back. We're going to do a favorite segment of ours. <laughs> and we always plan way far in advance whenever we do this one. Mm-hmm. This is Horror Trivial Pursuit. We do hey. not pursue trivial things here, but we do like to test our horror movie knowledge. I'm always usually embarrassed by Mike, but hey, we'll see. These cards are usually typically pretty hard. They are. And I took them from two different parts of the deck because we, and who knows, we've had eerily similar cards Yeah, several times we've done this, so we'll see if this one is any different. <laughs> I'm excited to find out. Um, would you like to start, or do you want me to answer first? Sure, I can start. Okay. Um, wait. So does that mean I'm I don't gonna know? Read, I'm going to read you. I'm going to read you a question. Okay? Yeah, read me a question. Yeah, that's that's what we're going to do. We're fucking hopeless. Great. All right. Um. Oh, here they went. Okay. Well. I don't consider this to be terribly difficult, Eric. Um, who directed The Conjuring? Oh, that is... Uh, is it James Wan? That's correct. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Eric's on the board. Batting a 1,000. Uh, Mike, in session nine, what is protagonist Gordon Fleming and his company hired to remove from the abandoned Danvers State Hospital? Oh, man, I don't know if I've ever seen this movie. Oh, it's good. Yeah, I've I, heard that. I liked it a lot. when I, I mean, I haven't seen it since college, but... Um, asbestos. <laughs> hey, good shot in the dark that pays off. Hey! Asbestos. They are removing asbestos. Fantastic. All right. You're really fucked now if I'm getting those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, your second question... I forget what these categories are. Does anyone really care? I don't think so. Doesn't matter. What short story did Sherlock Holmes creator Sir Arthur Conan Doyle write about a mummy that a student purchased at an auction? Oh. I mean, it's not called The Mummy. Um, I don't know. I don't think I'll ever know. It is a story that was updated and uh, remade as one of the episodes of Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Oh, I never finished that. I was just thinking I need to finish that. And it is called Lot Number 249. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I did see that one. Mm Mm-hmm. Of course, it's Guillermo del Toro, so they made it a lot more Lovecraftian. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, the leader of the vampires in 30 Days of Night is played by what actor? I This knowledge is in my head somewhere. Yeah, I, I feel like if, of all people. Yeah. I know what he looks like. Um, You know... He was like 45-ish, 50 at the time. He's not a big name. Um, He's got a little bit of like a Euro vibe. I think he might be British. Fuck, what is that guy's name? If I can come up with one other thing he's in, it might might trigger something. Ooh. I don't think I'm going to pull it. Give me his his initials, Eric. D-H... D H, yeah. 
Like D.H. Lawrence? Like D.H. Lawrence. Um, no, definitely not going to come up with it. Uh, it's either pronounced Houston or Huston. Danny. Danny Houston? Oh, fuck. I was thinking of a different guy. Mm. Shit. Mm. I know who Danny Houston is. He's great. It's Houston. Yeah, he's in... Uh, people would know him from Game of... Oh, no. No, I'm thinking of a different guy. That is this guy. Okay. I did not know this dude's name. I feel good. Uh... <laughs> Who was I thinking? I was thinking of the guy from Game of Thrones. Uh, oh, the, the Kieran Hines. For, for some reason, that's who I was thinking. Oh, sure. That guy's good. This guy's whatever. All right, next. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we both have one. Uh, your third question. In what substance does Dennis Allen dream that he is buried alive in? The serpent and the rainbow. Oh fuck! I just saw this. Mm. Um, what substance he's buried alive in? It's not dirt. Is it dirt? <laughs> no. Um, is that oh, your okay. guess? No, no, okay. no. Um, is it? Oh fuck! Is it drugs? Hold on. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna try to jog my memory. He, he gets. Whatever your next guess is, I am going to guess is I'm going to take it because <laughs> I feel like drugs is sort of an exploratory. All right, I'm going to say drugs. Okay. Blood. Blood. Just a lot of blood. Yeah. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can picture it now. Damn. I okay. Drugs. One for three so far. In The Loved Ones. Who does Lola Stone inject with a household cleaner filled syringe? I feel like this is nigh impossible. I have no idea. I'm not even going to guess. Yeah. Brent Mitchell. <laughs> I heard The Loved Ones is very good. Yeah. This is what this game does sometimes. And it's just like, all right. Well. It's like either you know it or you don't. Yeah. Um. Okay. We are both one for three. So it's anybody's game. Uh, Eric, what does Room 101 contain in the novel 1984? Not a horror book. <laughs> Not a horror book. Um, can I make a confession? I've yeah. never read 1984. Never wow. had to read it, so I never sought it out. I'm going to guess it's a, um, it contains a, uh, a, I was going to say a, uh, security surveillance system or, or is it big brother the you think that's may, right? i'm gonna say it is the it is where big brother is okay got it um no this would have been impossible to get if you hadn't read the book or maybe seen the movie i, I didn't remember this i haven't read this book since i was like 15 it's yeah. each prisoner's worst fear okay yeah <laughs> that's why it's hurt uh what is the name of the haunted house in The Haunting? Hill House. You're correct. Okay. I got an easy one, and yep. I am now two for four. Eric, your fifth question. Which of Mr. Furlong's body parts does Zeke cut off in The Faculty? Oh. Fuck, we were just talking about the faculty. I haven't seen the faculty in 20 years. It's solid. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm going to say a finger. 
I will accept that. It says fingers. Okay. Uh, he cuts off all four of his fingers that aren't thumbs, but uh, that's close enough for government work. So Awesome. All right. Thank you. Yeah, of Thank course. you for this kindness you've shown me. <laughs> okay, we're tied at two, but I've got an extra question to answer, so lay them on me. In Drag Me to Hell, what kind of debt does protagonist Christine Brown deny Mrs. Ganish an extension? Um. Wow, that's a very specific question. Yeah. Um, Sam Raimi's Drag Me to Hell. Yeah. Also PG thirteen. Yeah. He he approaches it in a smart way. I think. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen that one in a long time though. Mrs. Ganish, who in today's day and age we would refer to as a woman of Romani origin. Uh huh. Um, I'm going to say, <laughs> I feel like it's something funny. Like it's like. It's like gambling debt, but um, I'm going to go with, um, well, what are things that you refer to as blank debt? Gambling debt. That's debts? a little bit misleading, though. I mean, okay. I, it is a debt. It is a debt. I'm going to say uh, mortgage payments. Mike, you are correct. It is mortgage payment. Wow. All right. I'm being given gifts from the gods. Uh, I don't know that I will have even earned this win. Okay. So it is three to two. And your final question, which you must get to stay alive. Mm -hmm. What does the killer leave as clues at the site of his crimes in 1999's The Bone Collector? Oh, okay. Um, Bones. (laughs) Uh, Is it teeth? Is it actually teeth? Just to make this interesting, I want to... You know, you should go on with your gut instinct. I will say bones. You said bones. Teeth are technically a kind of bone. I don't know. Uh, you kind of fucked yourself, but I'll give it to you. <laughs> it is bones. It is bones. Okay, th- I thought it was too obvious. Yeah. To, to but it's, I'm an idiot. I I fucked myself. I, I overthought it. You did. Because I was um, like, well, is it like finger bones? But then I was thinking of the tooth fairy from. Uh, Manhunter and that kind of got sure. thrown into the old yeah. brain mush. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. Um, all so right. This what's one, my, yeah. What's my last? The man's first victim in Hush is which of the following? Maddie, Sarah, John, or Max? The fuck are those people? <laughs> um, Have you seen Hush? It's pretty good. Yeah. That's the one where she's. Is that the Flanagan one? Where she's... No, that is... Um, no, Hush is the one where they break into a deaf man's house. Or a blind that, man's house. Isn't that blind man's Don't house. Breathe? Fuck. It is Don't Breathe. What the fuck is Hush? That is the Flanagan then. I mean, I'm going to assume it's a female protagonist, so... If it if it just follows a very conventional structure of like male female male, female survives. It's got to be one of these guys. So give me their names again. Yeah, it is the Flanagan. Sorry, um, Maddie, Sarah, John, Max. Uh, let's go with John. Sorry, it's Sarah. Hmm. He zigged when I thought he would yeah. zag. 
Okay, Meme so... Meme Flanagan's pretty good. He, he, uh, he's a yeah. smart, smart guy. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess technically it's a tie, but I don't know if you should give me that last one, to be honest. <laughs> Let's let the audience decide. Yeah, guys. let the audience decide. Let right us know. in. Let us know if you think Eric deserves to get this tie or not. Uh, <laughs> I know you have beaten me like one of the last two times we played. Yeah. So it's not like this is just a, a no, complete no, no. shutout. All right, okay. Eric. Uh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, let's wrap it up. It's uh, socials, killstreakpod at gmail. Well, uh, before we do that, we should probably announce to the listeners what the next series we're covering is going oh, to be. Oh, are we going to do that or are we going to do that with Scream? Oh, yeah, you're right. We have Scream next week. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you guys. You're not going to find out. You're not, you week. don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I already know, but I'm not going to tell you. Mike and I already have our tickets um, mm-hmm. for Scream. We're going to see it Thursday. Opening night, baby. Opening night. I'm going to try to watch Scream 5 again on Wednesday. Uh, we'll see. We didn't really like Scream 5. No. We were in the minority. So I'm excited to see Scream 5 again because I wonder if my opinions have changed. I don't know. We'll see. Regardless, I'm also excited for Scream 6. Uh, yeah. But we'll see. I feel the same way. I hope I will like it a little bit more. Um, and I will probably watch it again this week as well. And as always, Mother Nature is a serial killer. <laughs>